thankfulness, if you want to understand it from a biblical idea, is the idea of being happy because you have something you either wanted or needed that you could not get for yourself. So Thanksgiving is just really the idea of getting something you wanted or needed that you couldn't uh, obtain for yourself. And if you think about it, we, uh, we talk about being thankful in this way. We say, you know what, I'm thankful for my healthy children. And we say that because there's a part of us that has to acknowledge that the fact that our children are healthy, there are things we can do to help that along, but ultimately it's really not under our control. We might say something, I'm thankful for my health. And, of course, the same thing applies, that we can do the right thing to take care of our body. But ultimately, being healthy, for those of you who perhaps have gone through a cancer battle, know that there are some of that, some of that which is not under your control. You might say, I'm thankful for this job. You might say uh, that you're thankful for this house. And you, what you mean is, is either you're thankful that you had the resources to get it, Or you're thankful that it was on the market. And so when we talk about thankfulness, we kind of recognize this reality that that it's really about being happy about having something that otherwise we could not obtain for ourselves. The book of Colossians, uh, the focus of the book primarily is on growing up, on maturing as a Christian. And one of the ideas that is clearly uh, part of this book is that being thankful or giving thanks or having a spirit of thankfulness is essential to growing up. It's essential to Christian maturity. And we could summarize the text I read this morning like this, that thankfulness for the Christian comes from Christ being all in all. Specifically laid out for us here, being full of his peace, being full of his wisdom, And being full of his name, or the idea there being his work. And so because we're going into the holiday season, and I want to encourage thankfulness, I want to study each one of these. So three points for you this morning. Number one, number one, be thankful for your peace with God. Be thankful for your peace with God. It's clearly the idea in the text here when he says the peace of God. He is talking about our salvation. That's clarified when he says the calling into one body. That is a phrase, again, used to describe being a Christian. And so the command here is that this peace of God would rule, we know, understand what that means, would rule our hearts. Now, because of the context in, in the information in the book of Colossians, I think the idea here is pretty clear. Paul is perhaps referring to, I shouldn't say perhaps, Paul is alluding to an Old Testament principle. If you remember in our study of Leviticus, we talked a lot about the concept of rest. So every week, uh, the people of God had a Sabbath. They weren't allowed to do anything. Every few months, they had festivals where they were supposed to have more Sabbaths, so they didn't do anything. And then they actually had the year of Jubilee where the Bible, where God told them to, in fact, take a whole year of not working. And the point, the Bible tells us, of these days of rest, of these Sabbaths, was for the purpose of exercising faith. Not just in the sense of going to worship, but the idea would be, are the people of God going to trust God enough to stop working? Are the people of God going to trust that God is ultimately their source of provision? 
would they be able to take that whole year off and not worry? Some of us, if we had an afternoon with nothing to do, would get a little jittery. But we see in the Old Testament, the answer is no. They didn't, they didn't keep the Sabbath. They didn't keep the feasts. They never observed the Jubilee. In fact, what you find is that they worked, they worried, and they rarely worshipped. The same idea is here. You as a Christian, you've been saved. Jesus has paid it all. We talked about this last week. You have no debt. You are, you are free from performing. You are free from uh, selfish ambition. And so the question now he's turning to is really kind of implying the question, can you take a day off? Can you rely on God as being the provider? Can you keep from worrying about the future? And then we see the command. So the peace of God to rule, but then we're also commanded to be thankful. You see, your salvation is not something you did for yourself. And again, I think Paul's alluding to an Old Testament picture here. You see, the people of God in the Old Testament, the Israelites, they were saved out of Egypt. They were saved from slavery. God gave them provisions like parting the sea and and giving them sweet water to drink and, of course, manna from heaven. But what do we see? A lot of grumbling, don't we? In fact, it's so ridiculous that they see all of these things and experience all of these things, and yet they still grumble. That Some of us read our Bible and we go, you know what, if I had been there, if I had seen the pillar of fire and eaten the manna and drank the water and seen the, the, the water's part, you know what, I would be thankful. Well, the fact that in this text... We have to be commanded to be thankful for the peace of God. Really tells us we're no different. Now, first of all, the context here tells us that the application of this text is supposed to be for the church as a whole. And let me maybe put it this way. That people who are ruled by the peace of God, who are thankful for their salvation... The idea would be, those are the kind of people who both cover and forgive. What do I mean by cover? Well, there's probably going to be times in your life where you're going to go to church, and you're going to have people who are going to irritate you. They're going to offend you. They're going to be, they they might even hurt you. But a person who has the peace of God and is thankful for that peace, instead of dividing from that person, seeks to find a way to cover for them. For example, you might say, you know what, I wonder if the baby kept her up all night. Or you think to yourself, you know what, maybe that's just the way his dad talked to him. Or at least you can say to yourself, you know what, sometimes I'm not so easy to deal with. And so it's the idea that I am going to cover. But then, you know, every once in a while, true, actual sinfulness happens, and then the forgiveness needs to be asked for. In those situations, the idea is then then I give it. If I need to hand out forgiveness, I don't hold it hostage. I don't put conditions on it. I say, Christ forgave me more, so I forgive you. 
But there can actually be some personal application here. I'll tell you the truth. In my time in ministry, those who are not ruled by this peace and are not thankful for their salvation have a tendency to be the people who live as though their life is a five-alarm fire. They don't have time. They do their work too fast. They're often discontent, waiting for the next boat to come in, maybe waiting for the next thing to come along. And we can certainly get this way in our parenting, in our marriage, perhaps in our workplaces, or let me maybe put it more practically. Husbands, can you slow, slow down long enough to listen to what your wife is worried about? Parents, are you stable enough in your life to provide the encouragement or the covering your child needs during finals? For those of you who work in Awana, can you be patient enough to strike true when it comes to Awana kids and the gospel? Are you too worried about your problems to ever have the time for someone else's? Or perhaps when someone does come to you with a problem, are you trying to solve it in a single conversation? When somebody needs you by their side, do you drift away after a month? You see, the Christian should live in thankful response to being at peace with God through Christ. And the primary way that's going to make its way out is in the way we handle our personal and our community relationships. So be thankful for the peace you have with God. Number two. Number two, learn, share, and sing God's word with thanksgiving. Learn, share, and sing God's word with thanksgiving. We have another command here. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So the peace of God ruling, and now we have the word of Christ coursing through our veins. The idea there is that the word or the wisdom of God, the word of Christ, has gone past our skin. It is beyond the superficial. Now the question that came in my mind was, how do I know when this has happened? How do I know when the word of God has so penetrated that it's running its course through my veins? Well, earlier in the book of Colossians, the Bible tells us that the person who has the word of Christ running through their veins, is the person who knows or can see the treasure of knowledge and wisdom. Let me put it this way. I've talked a little bit about it on Sunday night. The Bible's not saying that a Christian can't do math. It doesn't, it's not saying that a Christian can't write beautiful songs or, or, or be joyful over the birth of a baby uh, or fall in love and get married. That's not the idea of the treasure of wisdom and knowledge only found in Christ. The idea is closer to this. You can take two scientists, one who is and one who is not a Christian. The one who is not might look out into the universe and say, look how fine-tuned it is. Isn't it amazing that life exists? Whereas the Christian scientist sees all the fine-tuning of the universe and says, isn't our God amazing? That's the treasure. 
Two husbands, one saved, one not saved, can go to the birthing ward and watch their child be born, and both can cry uh, tears of joy. But the one with outside of Christ cries those tears of joy because they have a child. The other one who is in Christ cries those tears of joy because they know that they have a child because of the uh, generosity of God. That's the idea. That's the ability. When you know the word of Christ, when it dwells in you richly, it leads you to the treasure of that wisdom and knowledge. We also know it in the text. It's not supposed to stay inside of you. We note the command here then to teach and admonish. So we we let it dwell in us richly, and now we go and we obtain this wisdom. We see the treasure. We grow up in Christ, and we pass it on. Whatever it is in your life that God has done that is unique to you and how you have seen unique treasures in your life through the wisdom, you pass this on. But notice the full phrase, admonish and teach and sing. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with grace. That word grace can be translated, again, the idea of thankfulness. Think about it like this. So we hear the truth, we teach the truth, and then we sing the truth. And then we sing in response to the truth. And we sing with thankfulness because we have truth that an otherwise, unless God had given it to us, we would not have. Again, the broad application is to the church. And it's, this is actually quite helpful. I was thinking this week, there are a lot of churches out there who post on their website and put on their church sign, we believe the Bible, or we preach the Bible, or this is a place, a Bible-believing church. And really what this text helps us with is identifying what that looks like if it's actually happening. And it doesn't tell us to look for the absence of difficulty. It doesn't tell us to look for theological sophistication. It tells us to look for a people who are thankful. That's how you know. Or, for example, in the book of Romans, we're told that the lack of thankfulness creates an atmosphere that is full of idolatry and lust and division. Whereas an atmosphere or a group that is thankful to God, we find worship and service and unity. We find a hearing, and we find sharing, and we find believing, and we find singing. What we find when we are truly thankful people is a compelling community to those outside of the faith. Of course, again, we can make a personal application here. This morning, you either have the Word of God in a paper form in front of you, or perhaps this morning you have it in a digital form in front of you. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, you hear the word read by me or somebody else. And you recognize, look, unless the Lord had given us this wisdom found in this book, I wouldn't have it. So here's the question I want to ask. When someone comes to you for guidance or advice, when you have those teaching moments with your kids and your grandkids... Is it God's wisdom you lean upon or something else? If you lean into the thing that you would otherwise not have unless God had given it to you. And so we learn God's word. We get it past the superficial. When people come to us for help or advice, we make sure it's God's wisdom that we give. And certainly when we come together, we sing. 
We do all of this with thankfulness because we have the word of Christ. Number three. Number three, give thanks. Give thanks for what Jesus has done. Give thanks for what Jesus has done. The command here to let the peace of God rule. Now the word of Christ is to dwell richly. And then we get one more command here. Whatever you do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus while giving thanks to God. Now this is really interesting. Because just before this passage, he talks about a lot of doing. And just after this passage, he's going to talk about a lot of doing. And so clearly, doing things is on his mind. For example, before this text, he talks about what those who are outside of Christ do. They, they covet, they're sexually lustful, they slander, they lie. Ultimately, they do the wrong thing. Then he says, those who are a Christian are patient, compassionate, forgiving, loving one another. So that's how the word and deed is supposed to work out there. Then after this text, he goes into a long explanation of instructions for marriage and parenting and working and more. And in between what Christians do and marriage and parenting and work, we have this command. Whatever you're doing, do it in the name of the Lord. And the idea here is this, to do it in the reputation of Christ. Now this requires you knowing what kind of reputation did Christ have? And we go into the scriptures and we see, okay, so perhaps what did Jesus, what was Jesus known for when it came to the poor? What was Jesus known for when it came to sinners? What did, what is Jesus known for when it came to his bumbling apostles? Well, we can answer as we go through the gospels, we can say, you know what? He gave bread to the poor. He forgave sinners. He loved his disciples. But then you look at it and you go, but, but there's the big thing, right? You paid for my salvation. He did everything to make me right with God. This is the reputation of Jesus. So when it says, do all of these things in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through him, well, the idea is, I am going to do whatever it is I need to do with the thankful reality that God uh, of Jesus's reputation, sorry, the thankful reality of Jesus's reputation, because it is what he did to gain that reputation that results in my salvation. And we've noted this morning that thankful people says something about us. It says something in our lives, the way we speak, how we act. But let me tell you something this morning, that thankfulness plays a very big part in the Christian life as a guard. Thankfulness, the spirit of thankfulness, giving thanks and being thankful, is a piece of protection for the Christian. Maybe let me put it this way. I probably should stop talking about food, but I will anyways. When's the worst time to go grocery shopping? When you're hungry. All right? If you, if you want to save money and make good choices in the grocery aisle, you make sure you eat before you go, right? Because bad things happen, like nutty bars and hostess cake rolls make their way home when you go hungry, right? The idea then is this. The thankful person, the thankful Christian, this is not just a personality trait. This is a conquering force, 
You see, when you are full of thanksgiving to God, then the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the prides of life, they become undesirable. You walk past them. And so thankfulness becomes a powerful defender of the soul. Explain it this way. Years ago, this became part of my daily prayer life. Two things that I ask for, I ask God for every single day is this. Lord, help me to be faithful. And whatever task, anything I need to do or anything I need to say that you have for me that day. But I always pair it up with this. Lord, give me the spirit of thankfulness so that I am not distracted or delayed from doing what you have called me to do. Now, I'm going to tell you something here. I've got to be honest. There is no such thing as a thankfulness life hack. I can't give you any instructions that's going to help you leave this morning being more of a thankful person. The reality is, it's a difficult thing, like trying to eliminate sugar from your diet. It's something that is a hard process that you have to build over the period of time. You have to learn to, to wake up and open your eyes and allow your mind immediately to go, Lord, thank you for my salvation. It's the ability to get into the habit when see people give you things or when they compliment you or they help you, you say, thank you. It's going and saying to your children and to your grandchildren, you know what, I'm so thankful to be your mom, your dad, your grandma, your grandpa, your uncle, or whatever. You make it a point to give thanks. And I'll tell you something, if you make it a point to be thankful and to give thanks and to build this into your life, you will find that it will overtake any sinful bondage you struggle with. The temptation will become less of an influence in your life. So everything you do in word and deed can be done in Jesus' name with thanksgiving to God. So that's it. Be thankful for the peace you have with God. It's not something you could have for yourself. Be and teach and, and learn and sing the God's wisdom and be thankful because that too is not something you could get for yourself. And do everything in word or deed, reflecting the reputation of Jesus, guarding yourself against temptation by giving thanks to God for all that Jesus did to earn that reputation. Make Christ all in all and become thankful, be thankful. And give thanks. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And now I pray that you would cultivate this in us, Father. We know that we are called to be a thankful people, Father. And a mark of the world, of those who do not know you, is to be unthankful. And so we pray, Father, that you would build in us a thankfulness for this peace. I pray you would help us to uh, give thanks as we sing. And have a spirit of thankfulness as we sing. And Father, as we do what we need to do. We do it with thankful hearts, so that we are not turned aside either way, but are faithful in all that we are called to do. In Jesus' name, amen.